everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. The drama that I am discussing with you guys today is a historical saguk drama set during the Joseon period, and it is called Hechi. So Hechi is a 2009 Korean drama that is 24 episodes long and is described as, you know, a historical adventure. It is a drama that at the beginning um, kind of focuses particularly on an investigation kind of I want to say troop, but that makes them sound like clowns. They're not clowns. They're investigators. They're very cool. Um, so it's kind of, um, I guess, centering outside the palace. But at one particular point, it really does move kind of all the action into kind of royal court intrigue. And yes, quite a lot of politics. But I just want to say, I don't want that to put anyone off. This drama is I mean, my feelings about it is that Hechi is really good. It is a surprisingly easy watch for a drama that really is all about court intrigue and political plotting and, you know, constantly trying to basically assassinate every fucking body. <laughs> it's really weirdly easy to watch. Like, it's 24 episodes, so it's 24 hours, and... I don't know, I just kept reaching for the next episode. Like every episode basically ends on a hook and you just keep wanting to know. Um, the main characters just continually get into the most impossible positions where I, I was like genuinely kind of hooked on the plot and like, how will they get out of this? So I feel like that's a very successful kind of plotting and writing. Um, and on top of that, on top of just the general hooks in the plot, um, there's some really cool characters in this and I think some fantastic performances as well. Um, so I picked up Hechi because, <laughs> because I hadn't watched <laughs> historical drama in so long and it kind of suddenly occurred to me and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why am I not always watching historical dramas. Um, I guess the reason for me is that, you know, one of the biggest things I do in my life is write historical fiction. I love it. I'm so passionate about it. And the entire reason that I do that is because I watched and loved, you know, a whole bunch of saguks and historical dramas set during the Joseon period that got me interested in that history that ended up with me wanting to tell stories set in that same period. And it, it just felt so strange to me to suddenly realize that I really hadn't kind of delved into something that I enjoy so much for so long. So I think I was very particularly like wanting to watch a historical. And this one was, you know, among other ones suggested to me by a lovely listener. <laughs> and um, so I just got stuck into it, particularly I think I was interested because um, one of the main characters in it is a demo, so like um, a woman, I guess, female investigator. So I was pretty excited about that just because um, one of my historical fiction series, you know, the lead character is a demo in that as well. So I, I wanted to kind of see how that was on screen. Um, so I was pretty excited. Um, but it was kind of a funny one too, because I feel very fickle when I say this about Hechi, but so this is a 2019 drama and I did attempt to give it a go when it first came out um, and I watched the first episode and I don't know I was just kind of like eh 
whatever. And then I kind of wanted to go back to it because I had this feeling that maybe I hadn't given it a fair enough go and I should watch a few more episodes to see if I liked it. Um, so when I decided I needed to, to watch a historical, um, recently I went back to this show, watched that first episode again, of which I remembered like absolutely nothing. And the whole time I was watching that first episode, I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Like, I don't understand what was going on with me when I watched it the first time. And I think it just goes to show like how much is about your mood, maybe. Um, I feel like I watched it originally and I just didn't even pay attention. Like I didn't understand the intricacies of the plot or even what was going on. And I think that this shows, you know, one of its absolute strong points is it's little mysteries. So rather than having one overarching plot for the whole drama, I mean, there kind of is, but realistically, it's made up of a whole bunch of smaller interlocking, you know, little mysteries that need to be resolved. And they're very hooky and they just begin immediately in the first episode. So like I was watching this first episode, I'm like, why the fuck was I not into this? I don't understand. Um, the show also looks really, really good. I think, all, you know, just all the historical, the Joseon set stuff, the costumes, it all looks really, really good. So I really just enjoyed sort of, I guess, the feast for your eyes. Um, so I guess that's sort of my overview of the show Hetchy. And I guess I will also just say, so Hetchy itself is like a mythical beast, um, like a kind of lion unicorn dragon thing. I don't really know. Um, but the idea is that in mythology, um, in a lot of East Asian mythology, so this is China, Japan, and Korea all have like variations of this mythical beast. Um, but Hechi, the idea is that it instinctively knows the innocent from the guilty. And so it represents, I guess, an ideal <laughs> way of being, I suppose. And this whole drama centers around at least for the first half to three quarters, um, this government office called Sahonbu. And Sahonbu is a real thing, which I was very interested to learn about, um, in which, you know, I guess government officials were given this status where they were kind of apart from the main body of the government and they had the authority to investigate government officials themselves and investigate, you know, the royal family's conduct, um, which is a very interesting thing. Like it's basically an anti-corruption bureau. Um, they, they, the stuff that they were responsible for extended a little bit further than that as well into ensuring that people were abiding by, say, Confucian, um, you know, rituals and traditions. So, for instance, in the drama, there's a point where the investigators and the inspectors at Sahonbu are sent out to investigate the fact that a wife has not, um, you know, correctly adhered to the correct amount of mourning time for her husband who's passed away. And obviously that leads to a whole very exciting plot line, but you know, it's that kind of stuff. Like, are you not doing, are you not living your life uh, correctly within the framework of Confucian values and they can go and investigate people. Um, but the fact that they can investigate these high up officials to see whether they're getting bribed is very, very interesting. But what Hechi, the show, really deals with as well is the fact that, of course, if you give a, you know, a government office this kind of power, who's investigating them? <laughs> who's stopping Sahonbu from having its own government officials embroiled in controversy and bribery and stuff like that? So I think for... Like for a setting um, and for, you know, a really interesting true thing from history, um, I was really fascinated by this. Um, it's just, I found it really interesting. It wasn't something I knew about. I mean, I kind of knew about royal inspectors and stuff like that a little bit, but not really kind of as it's shown in this drama. Um, royal inspectors are slightly different, but just all this kind of stuff, this kind of... Um, Ability to look at corruption within the government, I think is just really, really interesting um, and just very cool. So obviously we've got some very idealistic um, main characters who are, who are really, really striving to make the world a better place. And one thing I found about this drama that I think surprised me as well is that it is very inspiring. 
<laughs> inspiring in a like, do the right thing, be a good person, don't don't sway on the things that you believe are morally right. And, you know, sometimes you're going to face extreme hardship for standing up for the things that you believe are good. But at the same time, it's always the right thing to do. Um, you know, the show is all about having courage and strength to do the right thing, even if it's not the easy pathway forward. And that's a theme that I really, really appreciate and felt very inspired by. Um, and really, you know, these characters are really cool. I mean, it's kind of interesting, right? The main characters in Hechi, I mean, the really main ones, they're not particularly morally conflicted. You know, they, they, they're very good people and they consistently do the right thing, but they sure come up against a lot of conflict. They go through a lot of misery, a lot of uncertainty. So it's not like they're one note at all, but they're not that usual sort of anti-hero walking the line. Like these are very upstanding people, really. Um, and I, I found that very interesting. I found it interesting that I was just so compelled by this show to just keep reaching for the next episode. And yet, if someone really asked me what it was about, I would probably say to them, you know, it's a very political, plotty show about the Joseon dynasty and about the government and corruption and bribery and the royal family and all, you know, the little plots to unseat the king. And frankly, <laughs> sometimes watching, you know, Korean historical dramas that are solely around that kind of stuff and don't have like a big sweeping romance or a big revenge story or, you know, any of those kind of things or like, you know, a fantasy element or whatever, I can find them a little bit boring. Like I, there's so many saguks that I've watched where I'll be like, I loved all of the show, but when it got to the point where all the old men were yelling at each other and going, Jonah and plotting, I was like bored and I tuned out and I didn't like that part of the show. And this show, Hechi, really is about that stuff. And yet it is such an easy watch. Like it's, it was so easy and just addictive for me, even though that is what it was. And particularly in the last maybe third of the drama where the action really does move to a palace setting and a royal family setting, you know, you've got all these old ministers walking around and yelling and plotting. And, you know, there's a lot of just sort of standing in a room and talking, but it was good. It was really good. And I really, really liked it, um, which I think is just kind of cool. I think I'm, I feel like I'm slightly fascinated that the show was so compelling to me, even though when I think about it, I feel like it's made up of a lot of elements that normally I might find boring. Um, in saying that, I don't know if like if you are listening to this and maybe you haven't delved into historical dramas yet and you just prefer the modern ones. I don't know if this would be like a great first historical because, you know, it's not super heavy on, you know, female characters like there it is at the start but again the main female character played by the actress Goara, um, I feel like she really gets sidelined at the end so which I didn't mind when I'm watching it, but I feel, um, you know, the romance elements is very small compared to a lot of the other more twisty plotting. Um, so yeah, I just don't know if it's like a first saguk kind of a drama. Like I think it's an absolute must watch if you like historicals though. I think it's, I think it's a little bit more than what you expect it to be. That's what I think anyway. Um, so Hechi stars the actor Jung Il-woo playing um, Prince Yonning. Um, so Jung Il-woo is an actor who, you know, he's probably one of the kind of early actors I took notice of when I first started delving into drama land. 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I think every time I say that, I'll always finish it with, oh my gosh, I can't believe it still. <laughs> been so obsessed for so long um, and I cannot see that changing in the future. Anyway, so when I first started watching dramas, I feel like Jung Il-woo was quite big and he was in a lot of different things that I watched or tried to watch, um, particularly a real hit drama that was part of that Flower Boy series that was very popular. Um, so that was Flower Boy Ramyun Chop. 
uh, which was, yeah, you know, it's just a real zingy kind of fluffy comedy contemporary. And he was the lead character in that. I never loved that Flower Boy installment as much as another drama, Flower Boy Next Door, which was my favorite out of those, that kind of series. But Jung Il Woo was really, really good. And I really liked him. And he sort of disappeared from drama land. And I guess I hadn't really seen him in anything for quite a few years. Um, and so one of um, my friends who's a listener kind of suggested this show and kind of said, you know, it's good. And I think, so this is Catafern. Um, I, I get the impression that Catafern's a bit of a Jung Il Woo fan. And I, you know, once I delved into this, it just reminded me so hardcore why he is, you know, a big actor, why he gets lead roles. Like he... He honestly, Jung Il Woo carries, I think, this entire show. Like, really, he does. He is in practically every single scene as the centerpiece of every plot. He, it's a really good performance, and it's such a, like, just weighty core to such a heavily plotted, nonstop pacing drama. And I just think he did such a good job in this show. Um, he's also, you know, he's very handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just a really good actor. And I think he's just very likable. Um, so the other, the female lead is played by the actress Goara, who plays a character called Yeji um, or Yoji. I'm not sure because I'm looking at the English, <laughs> her name written in English, and it always just sounds different. I think it was Yoji. Um, so Goara is an investigator at, so a female investigator at um, Sahonbu, this, you know, government office that looks into corruption. And um, I oh, I wish I was, but I've just got to say, I'm not really a Goara fan. I, I think I'm not a huge fan of her acting. I think that is my, my issue. And I've really watched a lot of dramas with her. I don't mind her, but I'm not like very drawn to her, I suppose, in a show. In saying that though, as this very stoic very kind of rough and, you know, not many words, very serious in, um, female investigator. I think she's really good in this. Um, I think I'm, I, I feel really uncomfortable saying it, but like for me, I don't know that she's a brilliant actress and I feel like maybe within her abilities or what I perceive to be her abilities. I don't know. I'm sorry if you're a fan. Um, I felt like this character really worked for her, you know, just being this kind of slightly amusingly over-serious um, woman who barely smiles um, and is very sharp-witted about everything to do with investigations and quite um, not sharp-witted at all when it comes to, like, romance and things like that or social stuff. Um, I quite liked it and I, I really enjoyed that aspect. I do feel like later on in the drama when the romance was supposed to be deepening and we would get these scenes where Jung Il Woo would be staring at Goara with like, you know, all this love in his eyes and like barely any expression on his face, but you can just feel what this man is feeling. And then Goara would look back at him and I'd be like, does she does she like him? Does she like this? Does she hate this? Like, what, what's what's this reaction? Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many times he's like leaning in to kiss her and I'm like, is she into this? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so that's just me though. Like, I totally understand other people will have different opinions on that. Um, and then there is kind of a second male lead, but it's just not really the way that this drama is formatted. Um, like there's no love triangle aspect or anything. So this guy is played by the actor Kwon Yul. Um, Kwon Yul is a dude that just keeps popping up. He pops up in everything. He played the evil antagonist in Let's Fight Ghost and he's just been in heaps of other stuff. So he plays this character called um, Park Moon Soo. And Park Moon Soo is at the start of the drama, a scholar from a, like his, his family have all, I guess, died. So he's like by himself. Um, he's a young man. And he's obviously like of noble birth. He's walking around in like, you know, pale blue silk and like a hanbok and the gat hat, all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't seem like he's particularly rich either. So I guess a poor sort of noble family. And he is 
obsessed with justice and obsessed with Sahon Boo. And all he wants in his life is to pass the civil service examination, which is basically, um, because I've been reading about it recently, um, it's really interesting because Joseon's society was based on Confucius values, um, the civil service examination, which you had to pass in order to become a government official, was not based on your skills at administration or anything to do with actually being a government official like leadership quality or anything like that. It was based on your knowledge of the classics, which are Confucius classics. So a man who studies for like 10 years and knows all the Confucius classics inside and out will probably, you know, might come first in the civil service examination. But that doesn't fucking mean that he knows how to investigate crimes or lead a bunch of men or become a general and lead an army into war. Like it's, it's a pretty, it's not a great system. <laughs> and um, I guess I've been learning about that a little bit because I've been learning about the Imjin War, uh, which was, you know, uh, so this drama that I'm talking about, Hechi is set in the, like it starts in 1720. Um, but back in the 1500s, when um, Korea got invaded by Japanese armies, you know, I kept wondering, I'm like, why are all the officials and government officials and army officials so completely incompetent? Like, why were they unable to even organize you know, not a lot of defense and stuff like that. And there's so much corruption and infighting and political jabbing. It was just so crazy. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the framework of the Joseon government was so strongly built on this Confucius values rather than skill merit. So it's all about, you know, I guess, um, scholarly stuff and understanding the classics. So you could have someone who was a very morally upstanding young man who completely thoroughly understood the classics and got first place in this, you know, civil service examination or whatever, and gets promoted to a really high up place in the government. But maybe his maths isn't very good. <laughs> maybe he doesn't know how to, you know, be a team leader. Maybe he's, you know, whatever. Like, so I think it led to kind of a lot of problems. And I think you can really kind of see that, I suppose, in this drama, Hetchy, which is, you know, set in the 1700s. Um, but just, you know, with the way that the government has become this like political infighting, these different factions and, um, you know, I guess officials who are completely incompetent. Um, we see this in the government organization, Sahonbu, who are, you know, the ones who are supposed to be looking for corruption. And so many of them are corrupt themselves or just incapable of sort of logical thinking and, and investigations or doing the things that they're meant to do. So, I mean, it's a very interesting system. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that was a huge rant. Um, but what I was talking about is Kwon Yul, the actor's character, Park Mun Su. So he's this, you know, the second male lead in this who's obsessed with justice and the right thing. And all he wants to do is become an inspector at Sahonbu. But he cannot pass his bloody exam because he's just not very good at memorizing the Confucius classics. Um, so he's like, he's up to his like 10th exam or something like that. And he, um, it, <laughs> anyway, so I'll tell you guys a little bit about what the plot is soon, but I just want to finish up talking about some of these characters. Um, but this guy, Park Munsu, played by the actor Kwon Yul, he kind of dials it back towards the end of the drama. But I'm going to tell you guys that at the start of this drama, everything he does is dialed up to a 10. Like if he looks at another character, it's like a 10. Like his eyes are bulging. He's like shaking with anticipation. Like if he smiles, it's like at a 10. It's just, he is so intense. Like the whole time I was watching it, it's, I mean, I guess it's overacting, but I know he's not a bad actor because I've seen him in other stuff and it wasn't bad. I didn't mind it. He's just such an over eager individual that his eyes are just bulging and he's quivering and he's just like, it's insane. And I found his performance very, very funny and I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> but he was it was crazy. Like he was completely crazy. Um, but I quite liked it. 
Um, so another character worth mentioning is a character called Dull Moon. So Dull Moon is played by an actor called Park Hoon, and I have never seen this guy Park Hoon in anything before. He's so good in this. Um, I loved his character. He was one of my favorites. And Dull Moon is basically, you know, he's a beggar from the streets who has sort of become a king beggar of the streets. And now he runs um, like an information network of beggars and um you know, Giseng houses and stuff. So he's basically the biggest information broker in, I think it's Hanyang at this point, but whatever, in Seoul. And it's like, it's such a cool thing. And um, I just really liked his whole character, his whole like struggle with trying to decide whether to help this past love of his, um, who has tragically sort of through her ambition, sort of self-destructing all the time and, you know, him sort of getting dragged down by her but keep trying to do the right thing. Like, I just found his whole character arc very compelling and he was just – he was good. The actor was good. Everything about it was very good. I liked it. Um, And then the last kind of – there's so many characters in this and actually they're all really interesting and really good. But I think the last person to really, really mention – is played by the actor Jung Moon Sung. And Jung Moon Sung plays a character called E Tan. So E Tan is a prince and he is basically like he's a lunatic despot prince. He's ambitious. He's not next in line for the throne, but he wants it. The thing that I found really interesting about this is the actor Jung Moon Sung. I've seen him recently in the 2020 K-drama Hospital playlist. And in that drama, he plays this very sweet, kind of unassuming, gullible, kind of sort of a side character and he's very very likable and very um like nervous in it and then to see him playing this this larger than life very intensely awful person who is a unable to hold himself back from murdering a lot of people quite often who also shows these signs of like just utter weakness and vulnerability like I thought he was an amazing performance. I thought he was so good in this. And, you know, as the villain of the whole show, I thought he was very, very, like, weighty and worthy of that kind of role. I I found him really fascinating as a character because he's so unpredictable. At some points, like, he has these amazing, you know, plotty plans to destroy Jung Il-woo. And at other times, he's like a quivering, crying mess on the floor who just wants to be loved. Like, and I I just found that sort of... um, swinging back and forth really interesting because it it didn't feel unrealistic he feels like someone who would who would swing back and forth between those emotions of feeling completely untouchable and powerful to completely you know at a loss and i just really loved the fact that with this character prince tan um you know when he's so powerful you totally believe it and you find him very, very scary, like really awful and scary. And then when he swings back into these quivering, weak, vulnerable states, even though you don't like him, you hate him, you want him to go and fucking die, really, (laughs) you still feel pity for him because you can kind of understand his life and why he has become this weak, sniveling mess that he has become. Like I felt a lot of pity for him, um, which I found a very interesting. And I think was one of the other strong points of this show was that they did enable the viewers to see deeper into all the characters, like deeper shades into everyone. So even when someone was brought forward as a corrupt, shitty individual, They will still show you just enough of their past to make you understand that this dude wasn't born evil. Like he has become who he was through his circumstances and his hard life. And, you know, maybe he made the wrong choices. Maybe he was weak and he didn't do the right thing. And that's on him. But, you know, he didn't live an easy, charmed life and then just turn out to be an asshole. Like, and I really like that. I love shows that are willing to give their villains shades of humanity. I think that that is really clever writing and I think it makes for much, much more interesting and complex characters. Um, So that was a huge, huge overview section um, with my general feelings around the 2019 
Sagok K-drama Hechi. Um, next, I think I will just talk a little bit about the initial setup, uh, but not too much because this isn't a show that has like a huge overall arc. It is very you know, one thing after another thing after another thing, but everything sort of connects together into a bigger arc, um, which is a really interesting, I think. I think it's probably because a lot of the big instances that happen in the show are based on, I guess, true history. So it doesn't have that very traditional story arc feel to it because obviously real life doesn't have a story arc structure to it. <laughs> um, so I'll talk about the setup and then I'll just talk about some of the stuff I loved, which I think I've already covered, but I'll just... Um, go into anything I haven't. Okay, so the initial setup of the show really begins with Jungle Woo's character, Prince Yawning. So at first we don't really know that he's a prince, but I'll just call him Prince Yawning to make my life easier. <laughs> um, so he comes back to, I'm pretty sure it's Hanyang at this point. So he turns back up to Hanyang and he is very much so known as a good for nothing waste of space prince. He's a drunkard and he just mucks around and doesn't do anything useful. But we also find out that he is extremely intelligent and he is also, although yes, the son of the current king, he's also the son of a lowly court maid who is, you know, gone and not part of his life or the drama at all. Presumably she is dead. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so this basically means that Prince Yoning, while a royal, is illegitimate and half his blood is common. You know, it's a, he has commoner blood. So he is not in line for the throne, even though he's the second oldest brother of three brothers. And he, you know, the way it was, if you were illegitimate back then, even if your dad was someone very, very important, you had no real hope. You couldn't, say, do the civil service examination. You couldn't get a government like post. You couldn't really work um, doing the things that were considered to be noble and great. So the idea is that Prince Yoning just pisses around because he has no other options and he can't really do anything else. And I also got the impression that Prince Yoning is such an intelligent young man and he loves his younger brother so much that another reason that Prince Yoning is pissing around is so that he doesn't begin attracting political attention. Because obviously when a king has more than one son, therefore more than one possible heir to the throne, all the political factions are going to begin choosing sides, choosing sons to back and trying to maneuver politics so that they can be backing whoever gets picked as the next crown prince and ultimately the next king um, to gain power through whoever they hope they can place as a puppet king, I suppose. And Prince Yoning wants to protect his brothers by ensuring that he never becomes an option for the next king. Um, so I, I found him a very interesting character because he is this very good man, like he's very much believes in rightness and goodness and justice, but he's also unable to do anything productive or positive in his life because of his birth circumstances. So I find that really, really interesting. Um, so basically he turns back up in Hanyang in the city and Prince Yoning is hired by, I guess, like a criminal dude to go and sit someone else's civil service examination in exchange for some monies. Um, I don't know why he does it because presumably he has lots of monies being a prince, but I think that he um, probably just wanted to go do the civil service examination. And also he's incredibly smart. So of course he comes in first place. But the whole problem is that when he's there sitting the examination, he meets the character Park Moon-soo. So Park Moon-soo is that like very overeager, crazy guy played by Kwon Yul. And Park Monsu figures out very quickly that Prince Yoning is not who he says he is and is not, in fact, a 52-year-old dude who's, you know, undertaking a civil service examination. Um, so he realizes that there is cheating involved and he just goes full ball trying to find out what's going on and trying to kind of you know, capture Prince Yoning without, of course, realizing that he's a prince. Um, and then the local Sahonbu kind of investigators who are some of the side characters, including Goara, 
um, playing Yeji, Yoji, I think it's Yoji, <laughs> um, kind of all get involved and everyone starts realizing that, you know, the person who Prince Yoning has done the civil service examination for has disappeared and is eventually presumed dead. And they find out that the whole thing is this very creepy plot leading back to this other prince, Prince Lee Tan, who is played by the actor from Hospital Playlist, Jung Moonsung. I feel like that's all very confusing. Um, one fantastic thing about this show is everything is very twisty and heavily plotted, but somehow it gets laid out in a very easy to understand way. And I'm just constantly, like, I was constantly surprised watching this that I understood everything. Like so many times I watch shows about politics and I have no fucking idea which group of old men that old man belongs to and why he wants what he wants or what he even wants. You know, it's, it's so confusing sometimes that I have to admit that sometimes I tune out a little bit. And in this one, I could totally, like, I totally got everything and I was invested in everything. So and this initially really creepy plot, um, which basically Prince uh, Etan, who is like the despot, despot like crazy prince he's very ambitious and he's not actually a son of the current king he's a son of like some deposed prince from earlier in the you know like the histor historical timeline um, and he's just literally been brought up by his father to believe that he has to take the throne back because it is rightfully belongs to their family and he's crazy he's fucking crazy he just goes around and like murders people all over the shop and because he has raped and murdered some poor woman he has like organized for the poor woman's um brother to ace the civil service examination as a sort of i don't know fucking consolation prize but i guess like a bribe i suppose um, and then Jung Il Woo's character, Prince Yoning, just gets like embroiled in this crazy plot. And it's so much fun seeing Prince Yoning team up with, you know, the Demo Yoji and this over-enthusiastic puppy dog character, Park Mon Su, dialing it up to 10 every moment um, to kind of solve this crime and trace it back to the highest levels of the royal family to find out where this corruption comes from. So... Heaps of stuff like this happens, just these little plots that all string together and eventually lead to like maybe a year later, Park Monsu becomes an inspector at Sahonbu. He finally passes the civil service examination <laughs> after like his 11th time and he comes last as well, which I thought was very, very funny. Um, so he becomes an inspector. Goara works for him as his investigator, along with two other kind of side character dudes. And then um, Prince Yoning through these like crazy circumstances, like I really didn't know much about the history. So, you know, Prince Yoning is a real person from history and I didn't know anything. And I very particularly didn't look it up um, on the internet because I didn't want to get spoiled for the show. I waited until I finished watching it before I kind of looked up the history aspects. Um, and that was really fun because the show is so unexpected. Um, the first thing that really, really surprised me about Prince Yoning is that he gets picked as crown prince. Like he does become crown prince, even though he's illegitimate and, you know, his mother was a lowly commoner. I thought that was incredible. And then you know, spoiler alert, later on in the show, he actually becomes the king of Joseon. Um, I just thought it was it was extraordinary and um, historically it's quite amazing as well. So I don't think I'm going to talk too much more about the plot. Like I've barely touched on it, but it's so I, I feel like it's so hard to explain. I feel like the only kind of main overarching plot is that Prince Yoning, you know, becomes the crown prince and becomes the king and has to basically fucking survive that process because everyone is out to assassinate him and, you know, get him either exiled or executed or, you know, just embroiled in corruption claims that are untrue. So he's constantly on the back foot having to defend himself, which leads to such exciting kind of plot pieces where, you know, so often the episode would finish with like, you know, a, what will happen next? And I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I cannot guess how Prince Yoning is going to not fucking die because of what's just happened. And, you know, consistently he doesn't die because it was only halfway through the drama but it was very cool um, and very exciting for me and then I guess the only other kind of big overarching thing 
is um, Prince Yonning's big nemesis, who is his, I guess, cousiny kind of dude, Lee Tan. So Prince Tan is, oh, his name is Prince Milpung, I think it was, something like that. Because um, they all have like, you know, five different names. They have their real name, their prince name, their king name, if they make it to be a king. Anyway, the baddie guy. Um, you know, he's obviously the big antagonist throughout the whole drama and he's constantly sort of coming back at Prince Yonning and trying to get the throne basically. So yeah, that's pretty much the plot. Um, I, I thought it was really cool. I just thought it was written really well. So next up, I'm going to go through the stuff I loved and then the very short list of stuff I didn't love. <laughs> Okay, so the stuff I loved, um, I'll try and go through this list a little bit quickly. So Jung Il-woo as an actor and also his character. Um, as an actor, I feel like he literally carries the entire show on his shoulders. He is so good in this and just very compelling. Every time he's on screen, you just you want to know he's going to survive the situation and be okay. He's so good. Um, I really, really loved his character. Like I said, um, I found this show quite inspiring. And I think, you know, although there was a lot of other characters that really stood up for justice and stood up for doing the right thing, um, you know, Prince Yoning particularly was consistently faced with the most awful decisions and situations and would constantly be at a point where he would have to sacrifice something in order to do the right thing. And he would sometimes hate himself and hate everything and be ready to die, but he would do what was the right thing. And I found that incredible to watch for some reason, like completely just engaging. And the thing I loved the most about this show, I think I found it very satisfying that eventually he would win through. Um, and I'm not usually one for like these justice kind of where the good guys win out all the time, but this show, every time he made these hard choices and eventually came out on top, I was cheering. Like I was so pleased about it. The other thing I really loved is the way through his actions of consistently being a good person and doing the right thing, he begins to slowly rally all the people around him onto his side, even people that would traditionally be his enemies, like the head of different, you know, court factions in um, it's like the Saurons or the Norons or whatever, I can't even remember. Um, but, you know, those old minister men who are always shouting and getting angry and trying to, you know, just fuck everything up, basically. You know, even those guys who didn't like him and didn't want him to be king were eventually just won over by the fact that he was good at it. He was really good at being king. Um, and I loved that. I loved watching it. I just found it weirdly satisfying. Um, so next on my list of stuff I loved was the baddie. So Prince Milpung or Lee Tan or whatever you want to call him. Um, I just thought it was a great performance. It was all over the place, but in such a believable way that someone can be you know, both strong and weak and brave and courageous and sniveling and, you know, fucking horrible the whole time, but also someone that you might end up pitting. I really liked his whole character, his whole arc, and I thought he was a wonderful adversary for, you know, the very upstanding and good um, Prince Yonning in this drama. I just thought he was great. Um, so the other thing I've got on my list here that I really loved is how the drama consistently showed that everyone has two sides. Like no one is only good or only evil. So even Prince Yoning has, you know, this drunkard kind of history of just being a public menace. And that is because he couldn't fulfill his role in society or, or do any of the things, positive things that he wanted to do. So he just went, full ball into doing the opposite. And then, you know, we have the big baddie who we see as a child getting screamed at by his father, who his father believes that he should have been king. And he's not. He's living in some little shithole out in the countryside and he's teaching his son, you know, the Confucius classics and screaming at his son for not being able to remember them that, you know, he has to be king. His son has to take the throne. And I'm like, as an eight-year-old child, that is a lot of fucking pressure. So no wonder he breaks apart and becomes a complete lunatic. Um, so I just loved that deeper, thoughtful, like 
reflection on what makes people who they are. No one, I think, was ever just painted as a bad dude for the sake of being a bad dude because sometimes people are born evil. Like it was all about, and I don't think it like, it didn't linger on the fa- on that, you know, it didn't try and make you like bad people because of the sad things that have happened to them. But it just showed you that through their decisions based on those moments that they suffered hardship, they became who they are. It, I don't think the show is asking you to even particularly have sympathy for them, but it's just this very gritty, realistic way of understanding that not everything is simple. And I really, really liked that. Um, just as a theme, I thought it was cool. Um, So the next thing on my list was that I loved seeing the king just win over everyone by being fantastic, um, which I already said, but it was really great. Um, Weirdly, I I really liked the old ministers (laughs) in this drama. I have never said that in my life. So there's two kind of old ministers and they, you know, had all this political plotting and they're the heads of these different factions and everyone has political allegiance with different people. And that's the kind of shit that normally I'm like, whatever, I don't care. It's very boring. And in this, I was on the edge of my seat. And when this, you know, this old dude who's um, Minister Min, um, who kind of starts off as a big adversary for Prince Yoning when Prince Yoning enters the palace, like this is the guy that he's got to watch, watch his back with. And eventually, you know, Minister Min just realizes that Prince Yoning is going to be an actual good king. And I loved seeing him kind of want to do the right thing as well, you know, support him because it was the right thing to do for the country, even if it wasn't always the right thing to do politically. It was it was just a very interesting character journey that he went on, you know, and he, he's talking about remembering when he was young, when he was still idealistic about politics and how, you know, his long career has jaded him to the point where he understands it's about power and survival. And if you back the wrong person, you die. Like it's so like the stakes are high for these people. Um, so I just found that all really interesting. Um, like I said, I loved the plot. Um, I can't even explain what the plot is because it's so fast moving, but I really appreciated the fact that I, I feel like it was presented and explained really well so that I actually understood all the intricacies of the political shit, but also the little mysteries. And I think maybe that's what makes this show so good is that it is just built on one after another, after another, small mysteries that need to be investigated and solved. And that is fun. And it is hooky and it's a little bit addictive. Um, so I really liked that. Uh, and then the last thing I've written on my list of stuff I loved is Dal Moon. So Dal Moon is the information broker, the beggar guy. I guess, you know, I suppose that's to my taste, isn't it? He's a, he's a beggar on the street. I love all the poverty-stricken dudes. Um, I just found his character really cool. Like, I was like, ooh, he should be the lead character in, like, a different show. I'd watch that. And, you know, he has a tragic romance as a backstory, and he's just, like, so conflicted and fantastic. I just, I just really liked him. I thought he was a really cool character. So stuff that I didn't love. Um... I think, you know, like I said, it's one one small kind of like plot that gets resolved after another in the show. And I think mostly I found all of them really interesting. There was only one kind of like episode and a half that was dealing with, you know, that episode and a half's worth of plot that I was like, eh, I don't care about this. But honestly, I can't even remember what that was. So I think pacing wise, it was pretty steady for me. Um in that it was just very watchable. It was just very easy to watch and very watchable. And there was only one sort of slip up that I was like, got a little bit bored, but not very much. Um, the other thing I'll say that I didn't really care, but I feel like Goara's character, I really liked her character, um, Yoji, at the beginning, um, you know, as the stoic kind of female investigator. Um, I didn't really care too much about the romance in the show, to be honest. I don't think it was very strong. Um it didn't make me swoon. I kind of, uh, yeah, it, it was whatever. Um, but Yoji's character, I did find her very interesting. I liked her at the beginning, but once Prince Yoning enters the palace as the crown prince, Yoji gets it in her head that she's going to also enter the palace as a court lady. And this is quite interesting because to enter the palace as a court lady means to never step foot outside of the palace walls again until you are a dead body basically, which is 
Like that's commitment, right? And it also means that you cannot have be married, you cannot have children, you cannot live a normal life. You just serve the king and belong to the king for the rest of time. Um, and it also means like, you know, this is the truth. If the king thinks you're a fancy hot lady, then he can have you if he wants you. Like gross, but there you go. It's true. You like literally belong to him if he wants you you're his. Um, so she makes a decision to go in, which I did find really interesting. I was like, okay, she, I couldn't tell if she liked him or she's just loyal to him because she wants a better world. And he's the one who's going to bring it, you know, in by being King. Um, but she says she wants to go in and be a court lady so she can be near him and protect him. Um, but instead she goes and becomes a court lady for like the old dowager queen and just sort of like sits around bringing the dowager food and wiping the dowager queen's forehead and not even doing practically anything ever to protect anybody or even spending any time with the prince. And meanwhile, all her investigator buddies from Sahonbu are out doing fucking awesome shit like investigating murders and, you know, running around and going to war and like all sorts of very exciting action things that I feel like the show really kind of just cut the legs out of her character by bringing her into the palace and then giving her nothing to do. Um, I would have liked it. They either should have, in my opinion, brought um, Yoji into the palace and then, you know, turned her into a cool undercover spy where she really is uncovering conspiracies and protecting Prince Yoning or protecting him from assassination. I mean, she does once at the very end, but she does nothing for episodes up until that point. So I felt like I, w I wanted them to make her more of an active character in the court if she was going to be there or they should have just left her outside the court, which is what I think would have been even better in her role as a female investigator. And then she could have just tagged along with the other dudes as they did everything that they did. That was super cool. And, you know, Prince Yoning could have been pining away sadly for her and then have this problem of how do they see each other? So I, I didn't love kind of what happened. Um, and for me, I felt that once um, Yoji enters the palace and she doesn't really have any action to do anymore. So it's much more about her kind of pining for the king at this point for Jung Il Woo's character and this is for me where I felt like Goara as an actress didn't kind of pull it off enough for me because they kept showing her being really sad but I just couldn't figure it out I'm like does she love him does she not love him like what's going on so I just felt like her character sort of fizzled out for me and also was very underused and underdeveloped at the end while everyone else I felt was more solidly utilized the entire drama through. So it's not a huge complaint because when I was watching it, I didn't care. And I've also got to say that, you know, I've, I feel like I've really, really raved about the show and it's because I thoroughly enjoyed it so much. But in saying that, it's not the best Sagok I've ever seen. Like it's not the best show. It's just highly watchable and enjoyable. Like I was surprised by just how much, I enjoyed it, I think. Um, but I, I wouldn't say, you know, it it was the most bestest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so just to temper it a little bit in case I've raved on about it too much. And then you pick it up and you're like, what the fuck does she even like this for? <laughs> this is quite serious, you know. Um, I think it just really surprised me. I think it was a lot better than what I ever hoped it was going to be. And I think I was surprised that for what it is, which is a serious show about politics and shit, that I enjoyed it so much and that I found it such an easy, low pressure watch. Um, so yeah, I think that's all I'll say on Hechi. I think that's probably well enough. Um, it was really fun for me to get back into historicals and be watching a sagok again. Um, I find it very, very inspiring and interesting. And I love when I watch a historical, it really sparks me to discover more about history or a particular period of history, whatever. I think that that's just such a cool kind of byproduct of watching a drama. So that was another aspect of this show that I really liked was that it really got me into a, just understanding a little tiny bit more about the history of Joseon than I did previously. So that was really fun. Um, so that's it from me on Hechi, the 2019 24 episode Saguk drama starring Jung Il Woo. So now it is time for my random thing of the week and... <laughs> 
Potentially, you guessed it, it is history. <laughs> uh, so like I said, this show that I've been watching really got me interested in the true life events surrounding, you know, the stuff in the drama. Obviously, the drama is going to be a highly dramatized version of things that happen, but I was surprised to find out some of the truth in it. Um, one of the things that I didn't know when I was watching the show that I found out after, which anyone who really knows Korean history would have picked up immediately. Um, and I just totally didn't know. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have all heard of the very controversial kind of um, story around Prince Sado. So Prince Sado was obviously a prince of Joseon and his dad ordered him to hop on into a rice chest um, which got locked after him and then eight days later or however the fuck long it takes, um, Prince Sado died very slowly. It's a, it's a really fucking gross story, but, um, you know, history is filled with gross, horrible stories. Um, but it's this really famous thing. Like there's, um, I think the K-drama Secret Door is made about it, um, which stars, What's his face? <laughs> Lee Jae-hoon? Uh, Lee Jae-hoon, yeah. Um, also, there's a movie, I think, called The Throne, in which you are in plays Prince Sado. So, like, it's it's a really, really famous story in Korean history because of the tragedy of it. Like, it's, it's a terrible story. Um, so, Prince Sado, there's a little bit of, I guess... <sighs> My understanding, and I haven't really looked into it yet, is that he was potentially murdering some people and potentially raping some people. And his dad was like, nah, you can't do that. So get in this little rice chest over here. But anyway, <laughs> I am going to read a book about that soon. Um, that's actually a memoir by Prince Sato's wife. So I should understand a lot more about that in the future. But the thing that really, really hit me when I looked up a little bit of the background around the K-drama Hechi is that Prince Yoning, who is played by Jung Il-woo, the lead character of the drama, becomes Yongjo of Joseon, so King Yongjo. So he reigns for like over 50 years and basically by all accounts does a pretty good job of it um, from what I can see and he did some really interesting things like begin which they show on a little bit in the drama but I read about is apparently true you know he kind of exited the palace and held kind of open forum public meetings with the people and allowed the people to air their grievances and talk about the things that were causing a problem for them. And as a result of that, apparently like he really kind of changed some of the taxation system of Joseon. And I think it's something like he halved the military tax, like by half that the people had to pay. And he also kind of redistributed some of the taxes so that the noble Yangban class had to pay instead of only the commoners. So he did some really, you know, very, I want to say modern thinking things in a time when that wasn't so much what you did. Um, so, it, you know, that kind of stuff. And I guess after watching the show, you're like, wow, he's such a good dude. He's amazing. And then, so it turns out that Prince Yoning, who becomes King Yongjo, is Prince Sato's dad. So Jung Il-woo's character is literally the dude who makes his son hop inside this rice chest. And by all accounts, his son was not mentally well um, and had a lot of problems and had done a lot of very bad things. And potentially that's why it happened. I don't really know, but it just felt like such a sad thing to realize. I mean, I know I, I just watched a, a mad fictionalized version <laughs> of, um, you know, Yongjo's life and early reign as king, um, but I liked him. I really liked him and I felt really sad for his character, kind of seeing him constantly do the right thing, even when things were so hard and he had to sacrifice so much. And when I realized that he he's the dad of Prince Sado and what would happen to him, you know, in that timeline 30 years later or whatever, after the drama finishes, like, I know it's really stupid, but I felt really sad for him. I was like, oh, you're going to have to face that, the, the worst thing ever that becomes this unbelievably famous thing in history as this terrible tragedy. Um, so yeah, that's sad and crazy. So the book I'm going to read is the autobiographical writings of a crown princess. Um, so that is 
the memoirs of Lady Hyegyong. So Lady Hyegyong was the princess. She was Prince Sato's wife. Um, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, I probably won't read it particularly soon because it'll be kind of research for a future story that I've kind of got brewing, but it's not really on my agenda quite yet. Um, but I imagine I will understand a little bit more about what happened around that tragedy um, when I do read it. So listen in the future, maybe I'll tell you, <laughs> probably I will. Um, so the other thing that I found out that was really, really cool as a backstory to this drama, Hechi, is so there's the second male lead in the drama. His character is Park Munsu. So Park Munsu, I found out from just doing a little bit of reading, is a real historical guy. So back in the Joseon dynasty, and I found this so cool and fascinating in so the first like kind of recorded instance of this being the case was the, I think, early 1500s, but apparently it probably happened a lot earlier than that as well. But basically during the Joseon dynasty, there was this thing they had called secret royal inspector. And it was basically where the king would pick a promising young, you know, government official person, usually in a very like low or middling rank. So not someone particularly rich or high up or anything like that. And always young men, um, usually in their like early thirties, and he would pick them and he would send them on secret missions, basically to like far flung provinces of Joseon to investigate corruption within the local regional governments there. And he would also give them a seal, which you know, gave them authority to kind of, I guess, rally the local um, guards and, you know, get rid of the local magistrates if they were found to be corrupt and like gave them a lot of authority, which, you know, for a very young and lowly official, they wouldn't normally have. So I just thought this was so interesting. Um, and I had seen it before in a drama. So Tamara, the island, which I think is set I'm going to say 1600s, but I could be wrong. Um, the lead character in that, Park Yu, um, the male lead, is actually a secret royal inspector. And I love that drama. I've seen it multiple times. I just adore it, even though it's whack at the start. It's so bad. <laughs> it gets really good, I swear. Um, but I never really made the connection that the secret royal inspector was a real thing. I never looked into the, the truth behind it. Um, so I just found that so interesting um, and really cool. And also I found out there's an upcoming drama that will be coming out, I think, in later 2020, starring the actor L, <laughs> um, who is, it's called, like literally called something like Secret Royal Inspector. <laughs> I don't know what it's called, <laughs> something like that. So I'm like, I'm going to jump on that the second it's out. I'm very, very excited. I just think it's such a cool, like, you know, just such a cool thing in history to find out about. I'm just imagining these, you know, very young, lowly men going around and like really rooting out corruption through disguises and sneaking around and stuff. It's really interesting. So apparently what would happen is these young royal inspectors would get appointed usually through like in, secretly they would get appointed um, usually through recommendation or something. They were always very young because the idea was as you grow older, you, um, I guess, engage in more political um Oh, what am I trying to say? Like, you know, you're, you're going to make more connections. You're going to have people in high up political areas that you might lean on or who might, you know, want something from you. So you have more ties. Therefore, it leads to more corruption and more bias. So the idea is that taking lowlier men, um, people who don't have, say, connections to big, um, powerful families that have a lot of wealth and land and have a lot to lose, you're taking people who are truly righteous and don't have the ties, the family ties or or, you know, the through work political ties to make them unbiased and do the wrong thing and say cover up corruption or anything. Um, so these young guys would be given a secret letter that they weren't allowed to open until they left the city. And then that letter would have a description of their destination and the mission and what they were meant to do. Apparently it also had a horse requisition tablet so that they could take horses whenever they wanted from, you know, local places. Um, which I just find really interesting. So they'd basically leave the city, find out where they had to go. And then they'd go there and try and root out corruption through, you know, secret methods of undercover stuff. But the interesting thing is they weren't 
you know, paid. They weren't given any money to go do these things because it had to be very, very secret and no one could know that they were going. And if suddenly, you know, you've got a kind of a young lowly officer throwing around a whole bunch of cash, I suppose that's pretty obvious. He's, you know, on a mission from the king or whatever. But that meant that, you know, these young men had to rely on their own money to get across the whole country and go do these things. And often they didn't actually have any. So um, this little thing I was reading was saying that, quite often um, their disguise as a beggar was like through necessity rather than, you know, subterfuge. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. Um, so the whole point of me telling you about secret royal inspectors is that this character Park Moon Su from um, the drama Hechi is a real life secret royal inspector. And I think he begins, you know, doing his secret royal inspecting after the point that the drama finishes. So during King Song Jo's reign. Um, and he's also the most famous secret royal inspector in Joseon history. And he went on a whole bunch of successful missions and rooted out corruption all over the country. There's even apparently, and I did not know, a whole drama, like an old one, I imagine, um, around his story and what he did. So I was just like, what? I didn't think he was a real character. I thought he was, you know, a little shit side character. I just had no idea. So I, I just found that really fascinating. And I think I just found the whole thing around secret royal inspectors, super fascinating. So I can tell you guys right now, not at the moment because I've got like my next five books mapped out on what I have to write. But after that, you can expect a secret royal inspector <laughs> detective story. I promise you it will come one day. I was so excited and interested by this. I just thought it was the coolest thing. All right. So I think I've waffled on um, about that enough and I'm going to go. Bye. So now it's time for my something I'm loving section, but I totally fucked up. And the thing that I was loving this week was finding out about the secret royal inspectors. So that was actually meant to come under this heading, but I just like forgot what I was doing with my life and said it too early. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but also I didn't prepare anything else and can't think of anything else that I was super loving. I'm sure there was a million things I was super loving this week, but that was really, you know, I was pretty excited about this secret Royal inspector shit. So I'm just going to leave it with that. Please just in your head, imagine that I did it all perfectly and, you know, very professionally. <laughs> So this is my weekly reminder that I do have a Patreon account and if you do like what I do, that is a place that you can support me if you want to. And I just want to very, very quickly do a massive, massive shout out and a huge thank you to those people that have chosen to support me on Patreon. You guys are the best. Thank you so very much. So that is Chai, Catalina, Francis, Jamie, Catherine, Liliana, Marta and Kerlin. Thank you all so much. I so appreciate it. I love you guys. Mm -hmm.